Welcome to Beyond the Tools, the podcast that helps contractors attract more leads, grow their business, and finally get off the tools. In each episode, you'll discover marketing tactics that work. You'll get actionable insights from other successful contractors and connect with experts to help you grow. I'm your host, Crystal Hobbs, owner of a social media agency that helps contractors attract and convert more leads. Get ready to take your business to the next level so you can finally enjoy the fruits of your hard labor. Ready? Let's go. All right, we're back for another episode of Beyond the Tools. Today on the show, we have James Piccioni from Lincoln Mechanical. Jim is a partner at Lincoln Mechanical. They're based in New Jersey, and they started their business in June 2020, which is smack dab in the middle of the pandemic. Whether you are just getting into the industry or you've been operating your business for a while, there's so much to learn here from this HVAC company and the explosive growth that they've had over the last year and a half. Jim really lets us peek behind the curtain and we get into how they've grown, some of the challenges that they're facing, and what they're looking forward to in the future. This is an awesome interview, so let's dive into it. Today on the show, we have James Piccioni. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Crystal. How are you? I'm good. So glad to have you here. Thank you for having me. So, Jim, I know when we met a year ago and you were starting a business right in the middle of the pandemic, and you guys have seen some pretty incredible progress in the last year. So I'd love to explore that a little bit with you because I think our listeners will learn so much from your journey over the last year. Thank you. Sure. All right. So I know you didn't start as someone being in the field. You're more of a sales and marketing guy. You've got a background in tech. How did you get involved in the HVAC industry? I was researching businesses to try to get out of technology and start my own business. And I was looking at franchises and my partner, my current partner in the HVAC business. I was just running some ideas past him because he's also a personal friend. And after I threw a bunch of my ideas at him, he finally said to me, well, why don't we start an HVAC business? He had an opportunity to invest in one. He tried to. At the last minute, the deal fell apart. So he had done extensive research in the industry. Uh, he has a CPA background. He's a CFO. He was a former CFO of a $500 million plus company. And he just said, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity in this field. I said, great. I said, let's do it. I don't know anything about HVAC. <laughs> and his response was, well, we just got to find somebody in the HVAC business and we can start, start it. Just so happened that I have a friend who did my HVAC work in my house, who I became friendly with after. And so I reached out to him just to see, kind of take his pulse and see what he was doing. And he loved the idea and the company started in a garage, in his garage. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, that's incredible. So, okay, you guys kind of come together. You've got marketing and sales background. Your friend is a CFO. You've got a guy in the field. What happens next? 
Well, what happens next is we have to find employees, which is very tough in this business and still a big challenge. And then we had to, because we have a new name, we have to get the name out there. So it was a lot of networking, you know, trying to find the right marketing, trying to find the right advertising, fine-tuning our proposals and the number that was the sweet spot to actually win the deals or be in the, in the game to win the deals. And we just kind of started moving forward. Uh, we were leveraging HomeAdvisor for our business to, to get installations. And while HomeAdvisor was working, it was very, very costly, a lot of time chasing down leads, and it just wasn't a way to build a business. But that's how we started and, and got going. Yeah. Wow. And I guess, you know, starting a business in the middle of a pandemic, how did that throw a curveball into your plans? I started businesses years ago, but I, you know, never been in the HVAC business. So I guess the best way to explain it is when I first started out in the business world in the late 90s, my first boss said to me, because we were in a recession then. And he said, there's no better time to, to learn a business than when it's at the bottom because it can only go up. So I figured with the pandemic and businesses shut down and having to go into people's homes, business probably couldn't be much worse in the industry. I was confident they weren't experiencing, you know, a high amount of, I don't like this answer, but they weren't, you know, the HVAC business wasn't booming right. during the middle of a pandemic. So I figured business was at the floor. And there could only be upward growth. Mm -hmm. So I took what I learned 20 years ago and I said, I think right now couldn't be a better time to start a business than right now Yeah, because we're at the bottom. Yeah, absolutely. I love that perspective. So as you guys are growing, you're you know using HomeAdvisor at least to start, you're trying to get the name out there. How did you get it to a point that you were able to come full-time into the business? So we started the business in June. We started getting our first jobs at the end of July. We, we bought a van, we bought a truck. We had little jobs. We had a couple installations. And then, you know, as this business is generally slow in September and October, we were really slow. And so November hit and we started picking up a little bit. And when December hit, it just seemed like the phone was ringing off the hook for service calls. We, you know, lined up a bunch of jobs for the end of December and January. And I found myself just working for Lincoln Mechanical from like five in the morning to eight, nine in the morning, then going to you know my regular job. And it, it just got so hectic that that was just the time to make the leap. Yeah. It's awesome. Okay. And, you know, going through your growth over the last year or so, what would you say are some of the biggest hurdles that you guys faced? I'd say in the beginning, the biggest hurdles was getting a good quality customer. You know, there's lots of customers out there, but to get a customer that wasn't bottom feeding on price was the first big hurdle to get over. And then getting our pricing aligned with the competitor's pricing. So we weren't the lowest, but we also weren't the highest. That took some fine tuning. But the biggest hurdle, and it remains today the biggest hurdle, is manpower. Mm. There's just a tremendous shortage of manpower in this field. And there's no resource or tool or mechanism in place to find manpower. You'd find some of them on Indeed and the other recruiting websites, 
but the shortage between the shortage and the demand, most of these employees or to be, you know, future employees, they never make it to the job boards because they're getting their next job either via word of mouth and someone's usually recruiting them out of their existing company. So it's challenging. It's still challenging today, trying to find new and creative ways to find people, you know, trying to entice them to come over with, you know, benefits, 401k, profit sharing, signing bonuses, you know, I'm offering finders fees. If someone can find me someone who wants to come work, I'm just trying to get really creative to find people. Yeah. So in that process, what does really work to bring people in? I haven't found the magic bullet. Yeah. Indeed. I check the boards three times a day, check them first thing in the morning. I check them around lunchtime and I check them uh, late at night. I find if when that person that you're looking for with experience actually posts on a job board, you only have a matter of hours to get in contact with them before they're gone. So that's been one tactic. I've been doing a lot of word of mouth, reaching out to people just to tell them you know, that we're looking for somebody. And oh, by the way, there's a commission if you can find me somebody. Yeah, that's pretty compelling. It's a daily grind. Yeah. When I figure it out, I'm sure that'll be another business I can open. How to find people to come work for you. <laughs> that'll be our second podcast interview. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. So coming from a background outside of HVAC, what do you think was the most surprising thing you learned about building an HVAC business? Or the surprises that have come up? You know, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna reiterate trying to find people to work for you. Mm-hmm. You could be the highest per hour employee, and they're still not coming. And then the other, you know, the other part is all the moving parts that take place to actually get to an installation and to complete the installation. And it took me a while to understand, you know, the terminology, the lingo, but to also orchestrate and organize all those moving pieces so that when the guys get to a job, everything's there that they need. And they're not spending time running out to the supply house and coming back for stuff that should have been there to begin with. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's been a lot of other surprises, but those two seem to stick out the most. Yeah. And how do you think your background, I mean, your 25 years in marketing and sales prepared you for this? Are there any kind of lessons you took over from that world and and your previous experience to this business? So I I think our business is really into like every business. You have your large competitors, you have your mid-sized competitors and the small competitors. I think where our leg up is, is against all the the small competitors. You know, the, the company that has a van and a truck or two vans and two trucks and they maybe have two crews out there or one crew. When you have an owner who's working in the field and running his whole business, they don't have the time to do the estimates, do the callbacks, get the proposals out all in a timely manner. And one of the things I've heard from customers is their ability to actually contact me and for me to call them back and to have everything into a timely fashion. So I, I think as a small business, we've elevated our professionalism higher than our competitors. And, you know, we're dealing with a lot of professionals, you know, homeowners that are professionals that are in sales that are used to the follow-up, the callbacks, and they, they're used to not getting it 
in the trades business. And I've been able to deliver, you know, follow up, answering the phone, uh, calling people back, you know, in a timely manner, responding to emails, proposals, you know, if there is a call back, getting there as soon as possible, making it a priority and being able to fully explain what the job, you know, to the homeowner, what we're going to do, why we're going to do it and what the end result's going to be. And it's shown in our reviews. Uh, a lot of our reviews outline that everything was fully explained. The communication was excellent. You know, we just treat our customers like, you know, we want to be treated and we don't treat them like a number. That's gotten us through the first level, you know, the first wave of business as we try to become the midsize business. Yeah, absolutely. So you're very prompt and responsive. What does that look like specifically? Like how quickly are you getting back to someone? I'm getting back to them between immediately and within two to three hours. I never rarely let a day go by where I, I don't get back to somebody. Yeah. And is that what like a typical day for you looks like is really customer centric? No, right now, a typical day, I, I really don't know what it's going to look like until, <laughs> until the day's over. You know, I do, I, I wake up, I do a lot of my proposals in the morning between five and seven. I organize my day, I make sure the schedule's set. But then after, after 7 30, 8 o'clock, we're still making mistakes. Mm-hmm. So if equipment's needed or, you know, there's additional material that's needed. I'll, I'll run out to get it so everybody can continue to work. Um, I do, I go out on a lot of estimates so I can learn that end of the business also. Mm -hmm. So a typical day of mine is wake up, start my proposals, you know, complete my proposals, get my proposals out, uh, make sure schedule's set. And then take the rest as it comes. It could be me out in the field and it could just be me behind the desk. You know, being behind the desk is very productive because I'm just focusing on the business and there's, you know, I'm pretty up to date with everything, you know, so there's not something I, you know, I need to get to, or I keep forgetting, or it's been lingering for three or four weeks. Everything's pretty much done when it should be done. Permits are mailed out, permits are paid for, equipments, the warranties, are. Uh, I register them for our customers. So everything's registered, completing the training that we have to do to maintain our standing with our different distributors. And then the list just really goes on from there. And do you guys use any software to keep you organized or to schedule things out? How are you guys managing all that? Yeah. So when we first started the business, uh, it was one of the first things that it was the first thing that we laid our foundation on was software. And we evaluated a few, but we, we finally landed with Service Titan. Service Titan was affordable. It was robust. It's kind of user-friendly. I mean, there's some quirks in there that can make it a lot more user-friendly, but for the most part, it does what you need it to do and it gets the job done. And then if we ever get to the point where we need a more robust platform, I think the parent company that owns Service Titan owns the more robust software also. Right. So it can grow with you. It should be a natural being able to migrate our data uh, into the next platform. But I think Service Titan will be able to get us to at least $10 million. And I think we have a couple of years till we get there. Yeah. Love it. Okay. So we were talking about, you know, how you've built your team up. And so maybe I can transition to what's your vision for your growth over the next year or so. 
The vision for the growth is I'd like to hit 3 million in 2022. I think it's attainable. I think it's realistic. The only thing holding us back is manpower. It's really the only thing holding us back. We, you know, we've, uh, I'm in the process of closing another, I'm being onboarded to another management company that manages, you know, 90 homes within our, you know, in our geographical area. So it's just math, nine homes and be 10 replacements each year and probably 30 service calls every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have another management company. I'm going to get a certain amount of replacements from them and service calls. So you take that and then compound that onto all the business you did last year with the referrals. And then the big proposals I have out there for the commercial work, 3 million is realistic and 5 million would be a stretch, a stretch goal. Amazing. And what's the split for you guys now between residential and commercial or is commercial something you're just going to start to get into? Right now we're about 80/20. You know, we've been doing light commercial, nothing too crazy, but we have, you know, like I I keep referencing this proposal out for some big equipment, some 50-ton um rooftop units down to 10 ton, seven and a half ton rooftop units and the first wave of the proposal would be one building which is 13 pieces of equipment. Mm-hmm. And this is all new to me, right? So we're going to do all these rooftops. All the work that goes into just planning this, and you have to orchestrate cranes to take the equipment off the roof. You have to factor in bad weather that's going to slow down the job, supply chain delays, and getting equipment in, and the lead time to order the equipment and have that equipment come in so you can start, you know, doing the work. And then if the manufacturer actually takes all the equipment that you need and is on time and delivers it. Well, what do I do with 13 pieces of equipment? Because the nobody can really store this for you. So you have to figure out where you're going to put it. And it's got to be safe. And so it's just a lot of moving parts. Awesome. Cool. So based on, you know, your experience over the last year and a half, what do you think gets in the way of other HVAC companies being more successful? You know, I think it goes back to the beginning of, you know, the earlier part of this conversation where it's them not being able to get back to their customers in a timely manner. Invoicing, you know, in the books, my partner, I I mentioned earlier, he's a certified public accountant. He was the CFO of a half a billion dollar a year company. So our books are tight. (laughs) Our billing is up to date. And billing and communication and the proposals and being able to walk all the customers through the process and explain it to them and take our time with them and then delivering, you know, a good product, a product that works good and also looks really good. You know, and I'm sure a lot of our competition are filling a couple of those buckets. You know, the product works good, it looks good, but they're not getting back to customers fast enough. Or people who are top heavy where they're getting back to customers and they're getting the proposals out, they're winning the jobs but they're not really doing the the work the way it should be done. Right. Yeah. And so I've ran into both of those types of organizations where I'm either cleaning up their mess or I'm winning their job because they can't get back to the potential customers or customers that just had to move on and get someone else. Yeah, that makes sense. So between the three of you, like, yeah, you kind of cover those three buckets. You've got a partner that specializes in each area, which I think is incredible. It is because my my partner, Eddie, who's been doing this for 25 years, he was doing everything. And I remember when I met him, it took him like three weeks to get me the proposal, you know, and I went with him because he did sit with me 
and explain to me what he was doing, why he was doing it. And, you know, everything made sense to me the way he explained it. But then it took me so long to get the proposal. And when I got the proposal, then he had a schedule of it. And then, so I see where these pitfalls are. Um, I don't know how he did it on his own. It's too much work. You just can't stay on top of it. I mean, my phone does not stop ringing all day. You know, he doesn't have to deal with the phone calls anymore. He doesn't have to deal with the customers anymore. All he has to do is help me with the estimates. I put everything together, but I get some input from him. And the rest, he just stays out in the field and he gets to concentrate on what he loves. I get to do what I'm good at and love. And my partner gets to do what he's good at and love. So it's kind of like a perfect synergy where we don't, we stay in our lanes and it works. And we've never had a fight yet. Knock on wood. (laughs) Amazing. So for any contractors out there listening, any HVAC business owners, what would you say is your kind of last parting words of wisdom here for anybody who's looking to start or grow in this industry? Looking to start in this industry, you have to have thick skin. You have to be able to go through trial and error and be persistent. Persistence beats resistance. For people in this business that are looking to grow their business even larger, you have to embrace and leverage the technology that's offered to us. And I'm guilty of this too. And then once you have embracing it and getting it is one thing, but then to actually use it the way it's supposed to be used, it's the only way you're going to be able to manage crews. You can't manage service calls and installations and billing and invoicing. You just can't. And then, you know, when people call you back and say, well, you were at my house three months ago. Well, what did I do there? You know, I can't go through paper and try to figure out this customer, have folders. I just go right to their file and I say, well, this is what we did. And then we move on. You can't build out a business of more than a, you know, one crew without software. And software is for the backbone of the business, but then software and technology for marketing and advertising, uh, you just have to embrace it. You know, social media is real. It does generate either brand awareness or actual opportunities. The Google's real and you need it. (laughs) You can't ignore it. There's no way around it. And then, you know, just great customer service. Yeah. Love it. Awesome. So this has been really insightful, Jim. I know our listeners are definitely going to want to learn more. So how can anybody listening connect with you or learn more about what you're up to? The easiest way to connect would be just via my website, which is Lincoln, like the president, mec.com, lincolnmech.com. Okay, excellent. And we'll put that in our show notes as well. Thanks so much, Jim. I really appreciate your time. And thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you, Crystal. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beyond the Tools. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love if you could also share this episode with a fellow contractor who is ready to get off the tools and grow their business. And if you want more leads, sign up for our email list at reflectivemarketing.com, where we share weekly marketing insights that you can't get anywhere else. I'm Crystal Hobbs, and I hope you'll join me on the next episode of Beyond the Tools. See you next time.